Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop games that exist today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we're in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it leads to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's you know talking to the people who create these games. Uh, talking to my guests about the games they enjoy playing and talking about big industry events. And ladies and gentlemen, it is another one of those spectacular episodes that hits on all three. Now, I am recording in a slightly different location tonight, uh, and my, that is my Jack Russell. You can probably hear running by in <laughs> like, a, like a stampede of uh, little puppy dogs, but... We are here to talk about a game that I have been talking about for years and embarrassingly have only played until, had not played until recently, and to talk about the newest game by that game company. And joining me today is the man behind that company, one of my favorite indie game designers, a one-man show, Australian-owned and run, of course, we're talking Traders Galaxy. We are talking Bot War, and we are talking to Anthony. Welcome back to Cast Ice, my friend. It's awesome, awesome to be back here. Thanks very much, Rad. No worries, brother. It is always just amazing to have you on. Now, your new Kickstarter, Beat 'Em Up, is currently live and has one week left, and we are going to talk about that shortly. But you have really sparked something in me that has is very excited about this game uh i, I loved you know the the classic nintendo the the classic arcade side scrolling fighting games double dragon um god all of them you, there's just so many but you're talking about making a miniature game that's sort of an homage to these classic video games where you work cooperatively uh, and you end up fighting these foes as the screen rolls on and then you get to the end and you get to the boss fight and you move on to the next level. I love those games as a kid. I love those games as an adult. And now I can play them on the tabletop. This is genius, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's it sort of came about because everybody – like. Traders Galaxy is all about the 80s and 90s nostalgia. So, yeah. and I just want to fit everything that we, like we've spent so much time making like the Bot War universe. Mm -hmm. And I want to fit everything into the Bot War universe. So I just think that the the whole idea of beat em up just works perfectly um, for the Bot War universe and the whole sort of, machinations of coils and and it just it just fits perfectly but funnily enough um the game itself was quite easy because people like capcom and and sega had already done a lot of hard work with the with the sort of right. setting it out with the cheesy themes and and all that sort of stuff is, is which is exactly what beat em up is about and the over-the-top character designs that, That's you know, right. at the time, if you, like, as a kid looking at some of these games, I did not recognize the very obvious pop culture analog 
the video game had to to like Hollywood at the time or um, Hong Kong action cinema to to not realize that the, from the Nintendo game Kung Fu the the it is literally Jackie Chan. Um, yeah, I remember that game actually. I yeah. used to play that on Commodore sixty four. Yes, uh, that music still sits in my head. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but you you have taken that like over the top character design, and you just you know landed a range of miniatures that looks like they have walked right out of one of those video games, and yet are all sort of original characters in and of themselves. Yeah, that, it's something actually that we're. I keep saying we, but it's just um, my freelance sculptor and myself. It's like that we're um, we're continually sort of like. Well, I think we're getting better at it. Mm-hmm. I think initially when we we're doing it with Bot War, is it, it started off quite difficult to create something new and fresh from use, using the nostalgia vibe of like the eighties. But now it's actually quite. It's really fun. It's a really fun exercise. And I find that um, I kept asking myself with the characters, it's like, would you enjoy punching this character in the face? It's like, like, yes. It's like if you, with the thugs and the goons and and the bosses and stuff like that, you just think, yeah, that would actually be quite enjoyable to just like do a spinning pile driver on this character. It's It's funny you say that because, you know, I was, I teach primary school and I was looking at the Kickstarter during my lunch break and lunch ended. I went to get the kids. I brought them back in and it was still on my screen. You know, it's cartoon characters. It's no big deal. I had just had it up and a bunch of the kids looked at the the picture and were like, oh, that's cool. Are those villains? And I, because we've been doing inferring, I was like, all right, what's your evidence? Why do you say this? And they said, I mean, just look at their faces. They look really unpleasant. Like their (laughs) their mouths are smiling, but their eyes are all funny. It looks like they're making fun of you. And I went, that is really clever character design. That's one of the things that sort of permeates through the Bot War universe and everything Traders Galaxy does is I always, like in this age of like, I don't know, do we call it like the age of lies we're in at the moment? But I, I, I wanted, I wanted to have Traders Galaxy the, like the place where people escape to to be very clear. These are the bad guys. Yeah. These are the good guys. Like the old school Saturday morning cartoons. It's like you knew that the good guys were all in like reds and yellows. Mm-hmm. The bad guys were always in like purples and blacks. You know, or dark reds. You know. Yeah. So I wanted to really make that distinction in Traders Galaxy with the with any characters that we that we make. Just very simple. These are the bad guys. These are the good guys. There's nothing in between. There's no universe where everybody's really a bad guy in some way. It's like, no. In Traders Galaxy you do have good guys and bad guys. Now for those who are not aware, Traders Galaxy is the game company that makes Bot War, that is about to make beat 'em up. And has made other games along the way. Rise of Democracy, of course. Um, we have the Lost Cities coming as well, or um, along the way. So, yep. There are other games here, but when you are talking Traders Galaxy, and you are looking for these games, that is the website that you go to if you are not going to Kickstarter looking for beat 'em up. Bot War. Just to jump back to your original big game, 
Uh, Hot War is the game that most people would know you for these days. And it has been on a roll. It's been running for quite a few years now. We are in the Turbo second edition. So it isn't just the second edition. It's the one with additional rules that we're currently in. And you have been updating your models like no other game company I have ever seen. I literally have... I think three versions of some of your characters that are all distinctly different and all are usable. And so it just makes it that you have some really cool a variety and differentiation on the table with your models to suit what you want. Um, and you're always innovating in your materials. And so the, the resins that you are using now, which uh, going by what the Kickstarter says is the same material you'll be using for beat em up is so crisp and sharp. I was putting together some of your characters on the last school holiday and painting them up. So you went from metal. Now you're in resin. And I know you've had different iterations of the resin, but your new colored resin is so good. Yeah, we 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 start. I started in metal because I could do that myself. Mm -hmm. And then um we went to resin and we started doing the resins. And then I had a little side skip to some type of plastic, which I didn't particularly like. So I've sort of discontinued that and gone mm -hmm. back to the colored, re colored resins. But yeah, everybody loves the colored resins. I, what I like about them is that you hardly need any cleanup. Right. And you can just, and you can just put them together and play like there's nothing worse than I, 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 maybe I'm just lazy, but grabbing out a sprue with 60 parts on it to make, you know, half a dozen guys just does my head in. I, I've still got a, a miniature here. I, I don't know whether I, should, I, won't, I won't mention it. I'm sure it's 20 years old. It's still mm -hmm. on the sprue and I've just never built it. <laughs> I hear you. As I build models for some of the games I play that take, you know, it takes me, I get home from work, have dinner, sit down. It'll take me a night and I'll build a model or two. I could have spent that time painting. I could have spent that time doing any number of things. Sometimes metal models, and I'm not talking about yours because I do have a lot of your metal models and your metal models have almost no mold lines, which is wonderful. I've always loved your quality assurance, but digging bad mold lines or you know, issues with old molds where you're having to carve out bits of metal. Metal miniatures are my favorite, but they can be so time consuming and such a hassle. So when I was opening your, your models, I opened the Ziploc bag, pull them out, glue them together, done. Originally, when I first started with the bot wall, I actually thought that um, having more pieces was good. And mm -hmm. so... Originally, I had like arms, legs, torsos, heads, weapons, mm -hmm. and and because I thought, oh, people can do a little bit of posability and and stuff like that with because a lot of them were sort of ball joint fittings, yeah, or whatever. And then after a while, I thought, you know what? That's the opposite of what I think people just. So now, usually, it was just head and two arms. Yeah, is and you just bang and you. I, I had a I had a thing in my head with the starter boxes is that you could go from purchase to built on the table 
in 15 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that was my goal. It's like just get them all together in 15 minutes um, with super glue. You, you, like I had this vision of someone purchasing at the store, sitting down at the store hobby table with some super glue, putting them all together in 15 minutes and be on the table playing. And that's that's what the, all of my stuff is now. I yeah. just want people to get stuff on the table as fast as possible. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's been really good actually. The beat-em-up ones will be my first 30 mil scale resins. So oh, nearly, the, nearly the whole Botwell range is resin now, although I have added a few more metals recently. Um, mainly the, the, re- the metals are doubles of old poses. Um, so you can just get something a little bit different if you want to get a metal model or whatever. But yep. um, yeah, the beat-em-ups will be the first resins, although I do have the ATV that you like. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming in resin soon, as well as those scuttlers that you may have seen, crab-like walker things. So they're coming in resin soon too. Well, let's talk about Bot War on the actual tabletop <laughs> because I've had you on a bunch of times over the years but I've never actually sat down to play the game. And that is very embarrassing. Um, I'd push some models <laughs> around, but I'd never actually properly play. Now, good friend of the show, Jonathan, I had three painted factions ready to go. So we sat down and we started to round robin games. And every week we were playing another game where we were playing different factions, playing different missions, playing on different uh, scenery, And then along the way, I painted up a fourth faction. We kept this going for quite a while. So I actually feel like I have a better handle on Bot War now than a lot of the games that I play because I was playing it regularly and I was playing a nice variety of forces. And I have got to say, it is such a fun game. It is easy to pick up, which we love on this show, but it's got the tactical depth that makes you want to play more. And let me just highlight a couple of the mechanics for those who have not checked it out. Every model has, uh, I believe it's now I'm blanking, a strategy rating? Correct. Yep, that's correct. Every model has a strategy rating, and that indicates the order in which you activate them on the table. And that really has a huge impact on the strategy of how you're playing. Because I was just looking at, Okay, you have, you know, your offense shooting, you have your hand-to-hand, you have your defense, and there's bespoke dice for this that have certain numbers of results on it. Got it. Um, But once you start factoring in that strategy rating about who's activating in what order, it really changes the way the game is played and the fact there are so many scenarios that have such a nice diversity of objectives. It's not just kill points the whole time or, you know, let's fight in the middle of the board all the time. Um, Really makes Bot War one of the more replayable games that I've played in the last couple of years. I just keep wanting to play it more. It's so much fun, man. Yeah, the um, I'm glad you like it. The, the strategy rating... It- it still catches me out. Like if you have like a model with tunneler or something like that, you got to be careful who you bring the tunneler up beside because someone actually may activate before your person mm-hmm. and then smash your tunneler. Like tunneler is a bit like deep strike for those that people, 
people that are probably more familiar with Tesla. Yep. Like you don't want to bring it up beside someone who's going to activate before you. Um, like learning who's going to activate when, like you, you don't want to move to this position because they're going to activate next. And who do you attack? Do you attack people that have already activated or you try and attack people that haven't activated yet? Yeah. Um, and all that sort of stuff. And then you sort of fact start factoring in the energy game. Yes. As well. And then you've got a whole new level of like um, how it all, like just trying to wrap your head around um, having the right energy. If someone attacks you, do you use energy defense? But that means you won't have mm-hmm. it for attack later. Um, and so there's a, like I find that the game is a, quite a rare game in the sense that, mind you, I haven't played every game, of course, so I don't know. But I, I feel in my experience it's quite a rare game in that both players are making decisions constantly all the time throughout the game. Exactly. And the and what you're talking about there with the energy is it's a resource management mechanic within the game. And at the beginning of each turn, each bot generates a certain number of power, then goes into your pool, and you have to allocate that power out to what bot is doing what over the course of the term. And as you say, who am I going to try and beef up attacks on? Who am I going to overpower their weapons? Who am I going to activate? Who has a super ability I could use? Who has a special ability that I can leverage in a particular way? Do I put extra power on this person who's holding an objective or who's trying to transport something across the board for those bonus defense (coughs) rolls? So there's tons of decisions that you have to make at the start of a turn. The micro decisions within the turn that then also lines up with the strategy rating with the activation order that makes for a really intense game of going, Ooh, when am I using my power for this? When am I using my power for that? Meanwhile, you have to keep track of what your opponent's doing because they're doing the same thing. Yeah, and so your opponent's thinking, oh, he's put that many, that much power on that. He's obviously thinking that something's going to, he's going to do something with that character, which I don't, so do I aim some extra fire in that direction Mm -hmm. to try and get him to burn some of that power off um, in defense? Um, Because then that might actually stuff up what he wants to do that turn. Exactly. And and so you got to decide, do I take the damage and still do what I want to do? Or do I defend the damage and I can wait another turn or I've got some other way of getting um, the thing that I want done, done. And I got to say, I was expecting the game to be a little bit more same-samey because of the attack mechanics and the defense mechanics work very well. As I said, there's bespoke attack dice, there's bespoke defense dice, and you roll those to see how many um, how many hits you have and how many shields you have to block those hits. Simple, elegant, works well. But I was thinking, how much differentiation can there be between these factions and between the models? It, it's not tons of difference here. But then once you factor in special rules, once you factor in the personality of each model, the name is usually a dead giveaway to maybe <laughs> what, the, what that model might do. Um, and then you actually look at what it's either its abilities are, its special rules. And there is a nice list of rules. And I was once I figured that out, I then went, oh, God, I'm not going to remember any of this. But it's really simple once you start playing to go, okay, I need to know five to six special rules and then 
There's the super abilities, which every faction typically has across the board. So everyone's got the same thing sometimes. So it's really easy to remember what you have. And in doing so, it really gives each model its own personality. Some people are lucky and they get to re-roll a die. Other people have stealth. Other people, if they power themselves up, um, you know, almost become like a super powered version of themselves. But then they have to pay to maintain that throughout the game. And in doing so, other bots are having to sacrifice their power to feed the beast, so to speak. It, it changes the, the way the game's played on the tabletop. It really gives each faction and each model its own personality. Clearly, you've been tweaking this for years, and I'm just really excited to be playing the game now. I should have played it before, <laughs> particularly with the faction guides that you've been doing. Uh, maybe you could elaborate on that because that really does <coughs> lean into that personality of the factions and the models. Yeah, I came like back in, it sort of started, the idea of them started like much earlier than what they actually started. But I think around 21, 22, um, I thought, you know what, like the thing that I didn't, I, like I really wanted was the universe. I wanted people to be able to go into the bot war universe as an escape, like to get away. And so to do that, I really needed to have some sort of way of putting all of a faction's characters and their biographies and like, what is this faction about? You know, give like really flavor the faction. I needed, um, a vehicle to put that in and that became sort of the your guide, which is essentially in like an army book or a codex. Mm-hmm. And so, and so in doing so, I, I sort of compiled, ev- not only could I flesh out how that particular race or faction fits into the bot war universe and the conflict as a whole, but I could then really go to town on make, ensuring that each of the forces played uniquely like as it um as a force and i think uh i think you got dark stones recently and dark stones and they're they're just a bunch of like rock people right yeah Led by by a fallen beast lord which is essentially a priest type character um and like they they are just like i just wanted them to be very resilient and just you know like rocks, essentially. Um, not particularly fast, but very difficult to take down. And so <clears throat> I think by creating all these subtle differences in the way each of the factions play, it's re- it's like people then start to get their favourite factions that they align their own way, their own play style with, um, with the faction of their choice. I mean, the dark stones are exactly as you're describing, but I really like how there's different flavors depending on the types of rocks. And I like how you can have sort of mobs or groups of lower powered rock people compared to some of the bigger characters who, as you pun intended, chip models off the unit, (laughs) become less powerful. And so it's a clever mechanic. 
I, I, I like it. Having been playing, you know, the non-grouped up factions to then lean into that was a nice change and really did feel different. Plus with the dark stones, you can upgrade them and change them in so many different ways. When I played them against John and then when he played them against me, even though we were using almost the same models, literally, it was a completely different experience. And yeah, yeah. it just, it really just reinforced the variability of that particular faction. Um, but then that got me looking at other factions and I realized, man, this game's deeper than even than I thought. I've been playing it for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the the part of the, when you, when I'm like looking at a faction, like if you use Darkstones as an example, I think of like the emotion or the feeling that you would have playing against mm-hmm. the said faction and I liked the idea of like having this big rock wall coming to, to like creating a bit of fear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want to create a bit of fear in what you face. Mm-hmm. Like if someone's like got a, a combiner or, or what we call sort of an elemental avatar, like a giant, you know, or even conspiracy from coils, like this huge, big Titan type. Mm-hmm. I want people to fear that when they're playing it because it creates those uh, moments in the game where like those sort of like last dice roll moments where you can bring down the giant Titan and it falls. Mm-hmm. The fact that you fear it and it falls makes it even like a better experience. So, 100%. so yeah, we've had, I've had actually probably more, I mean, I'm biased of course, but I've, of all the war games I've played over the years, I've probably had, more close battles of bot war than I've had of any other game. Yeah, man. The games we've been having have been very close. And and they're swingy well, as well. Like they can swing back. Like exactly. initially when we first started playtesting stuff, I used to get quite demoralized as like an old Warhammer player. Oh, I lost I lost this many this model and that model in a in a round, right? Only and I used to think if you did that back in the day, you'd almost feel like giving up because yeah. you've lost you've lost two important models like in the first couple of turns, and you f- you feel like then all you're doing is minimising the loss. Yeah. Whereas with Bot War, there's been so many times where I've lost a couple of models. I th- I, my initial thought was to become demoralised, but then kept playing only to find that in the next round the opponent lost three of their models that were just hanging on. All of a sudden the game's back on. Yeah. And yeah. And it's just like, okay. Almost all the games of bot war we've played and we have played a lot now. I want to say five or six, which over a month and a half is a fair bit. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah. And in those <laughs> games, I think only one was a blowout and that's because I made a really bad tactical decision, but They've been incredibly close games, but I think what's most telling of all is I think I've drawn John once and I think I've lost every other game and I keep wanting to play more. I've had so much fun, even though I'm losing, which sometimes depending on the game you're playing, you know, I I don't have that experience. I'll play it a couple times and go, you know what? This doesn't exactly, this, this almost feels like it's punishing the person who's losing and I don't know if I need that and something else shiny will come my way and I'll go, Ooh, look at that. 
and I may not come back to it. But Bot War, I have lost so much and I have enjoyed it equally uh, to the amount of loss. So I definitely need to play it more and get better at it. I think it would help if I chose one faction and kept playing it for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. Because everything does have its own personality, and yeah. I want to lean into that a little bit. But I have to say, um, in a game of giant robots and giant rock monsters and giant insects and you know giant trash bots and Shock you know, all the wonderful factions, um, the Atlanteans under the sea, all of these awesome giant monster robot creatures – I like playing the regular humans in the uh, yeah. uh, in in you know in basic tanks and helicopters. I, I maybe it's because I've watched Godzilla one too many times, but my democracy forces I think are my favorite army to play. It has nothing to do with the toys I played with as a kid because I played with a lot of <laughs> tanks and jeeps. I assure you, still do. Uh, but to have those, well, you're the underdog, right? You're the yeah. underdog if you're the humans against all these giant giant things and to to be able to hold your own against that um you have this great underdog feeling i lose i lose a lot in bot war too and i've actually questioned myself like why i don't seem to mind so much losing and i think it's because you feel like you're winning the like little moments yes like there's little moments within Mm -hmm. it that you that it's not like you're constantly losing there's moments that you've been winning. Exactly. And so, and so, like, when you get to the end of the game, it just so happens that, oh, well, okay, I lost that moment. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose all the moments, you know, because, I, you know, I, I dragged down, you know, the Titan and, I, uh, and my infantry got a great shot off against that and killed that, which was unexpected. So I had mm-hmm. all these little little wins throughout the game, but I just happened to lose the last one. Exactly. Or I've had my entire force running like a gauntlet through my opponent's army to get the objective off the other side of the board. And my last model is holding the, you know, holding the objective like a gridiron football and just trying <laughs> to get across the line to get the touchdown. And they got taken out within inches of the, uh, literally inches of the board edge. What a cinematic moment. And it was like, you know what? I don't even mind. I got all the way across the table and then came down to that. And it was like, that's cool. It was good. It was fun. That's the stuff of uh, what Saturday cartoons are made of. That's it. And I may have been playing the villains. Yeah, the villains nearly just won, but just at the very last minute, the good guys stole the victory. And... um, we won't talk of the incompetence of the leader, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 what I like a lot about a lot about Bot War, and and you know, it's definitely definitely that's always in my mind whenever we add like a new faction or anything like that. Well, similar mechanics <clears throat> exist in your new game, Beat 'Em Up, which is a variation of your 30 millimeter models range and rules. Um, Rise of the Democracy, of course, was the first game using the scale for you. And this is sort of a refocusing it in a more of a a cooperative 
gaming experience where you, again, are playing cooperatively, possibly with friends to go through the, the stages of walking through low level enemies to work your way up to a boss. Um, and then mm. as the game progresses, you go through different levels, you face <clears throat> different bosses. Each one has a slightly different environment and slightly different goons that you have to fight through. If the cinematic moments from Bot War anything to go by, I am really excited about what Beat 'em Up is going to play like on the tabletop. The whole idea of that, like I, I made the, because we play tested Rise of Democracy as its own game for like a very long time. I want to say two years um, at least. So, but then I thought to myself, you know what? I want to bring out these type of games. I want to bring out these type of games. I want to, and it's like, am I going to make a completely different rule set for all of them? So no, I then decided to, I'm going to go, here's your generic 30 millimeter rules. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make expansions for how you want to use those rules. So the, you got your generic 30 millimeter rules and then the rise of democracy is for squad based warband type games. Mm-hmm. And then your beat em up is going to be for like, it's sort of like a, it's got elements of dungeon crawler. Yes. In it. And it's more close combat fact, uh, orientated. And then there'll be another one for like Heroes of Centaurus and there'll be another one for Seven Cities, which will be more sort of rank and flank um, type. But all of them will use the 30 millimeter um, generic rules as the core foundation. So I don't have to just keep producing this, the, all these different rule sets and I can just do expansions. But the, the beat-em-up is, um, it took a little bit of thinking to try and get that side-scrolling because... It's sort of like if you know Streets of Rage or Final Fight or Double Dragon, then it's all very, very, very close to how mm-hmm. that works. So it's it is played on a three by three, but there's no reason why you wouldn't play it on a nine by one. Like, oh, it's, that'd be cool. Yeah. So you can actually play it as a complete size. But the only the only thing is that there is some strategy into because then three by three is divided into nine one by one zones. Mm-hmm. And so you start off in one zone on the edge of one zone. And the minute you enter the zone, the, uh, the player of the bad guys, which is sort of like a semi game master, he will draw like the spawn card to s- show what thugs or goons are in that zone. And then he will set those thugs or goons up and it'll also show what uh interactive terrain or power-ups in that zone as well so but then after you you can't move to a new zone until you defeat all the enemies in that zone much like the side-scrolling game you couldn't move to the next thing until all the dudes were wiped out on that particular section then the screen would move along and you'd get a Mm -hmm. new lot of guys right so so how that works is you would you take out all the thugs and goons in that zone and then you choose which zone you would want to go into. Now, the reason why that makes a difference is that 
if you're in the next the next zone, you can actually get knocked back into the previous zone and respawn all the thugs and goons in the previous zone that you just cleared. And so even though you can move between the two zones that have been unlocked, essentially, it just means that you've you've created a lot more enemies by getting knocked back into that zone, right? So when you get to a boss fight, what you don't want to do is try and get to a boss fight where you're, let's say you're in the middle zone and you've got potentially, what, uh, eight zones to be knocked into? Mm-hmm. And, and basically spawn an absolute ton of enemies that you'll have to fight on top of fighting the boss. The boss, And the yeah. enemy in that, in that zone. So... So the idea is to manoeuvre your characters around so you don't get knocked, because you can't get knocked into new zones, only into previously cleared zones. Yeah, you need to manoeuvre your guys around so you're not getting knocked back into previously cleared zones and spawning new enemies, which is going to make the game infinitely more difficult to play. So, So by choosing which zones that you move into, you can sort of make it, so you're only getting knocked, if you do get knocked back, you're getting knocked against the edge or getting knocked against a new zone, which you can't get knocked into. So, um, yeah, so yeah. So it, there, it's all about working together. If you're like the only one player is controlling all the baddies as the game master type player. And then the other four to five players are playing each a hero each. And so they've got to be sharing their heroic tokens. It's, you know, they've got to be sharing the load of how many enemies that they're fighting and, and things like that. So there is a lot of strategy and teamwork required to get through it. Love it. And then obviously once you defeat, there's two bosses per level. Mm-hmm. There's a mid-le- mid-level boss mm-hmm. and then there's an end-level boss. And then once you finish that level you then get this it's sort of like a it's like a mini experience table and so you can uh do some training and get some more skills you can spend the money that you made from picking up the power-ups and stuff like that on maybe you'd like to start the next round with a baseball bat Mm -hmm. or something like that so you just get better bang for your buck basically um, or, or, you know, or a knife or something like that to go into the next round. But if you, it, like in the game, right? Like if you get knocked down, you'll lose your bat. And if you, and then the enemy can pick it up. But if you get knocked down three times and the bat disappears. Yep. So everybody that's familiar with those games would know exactly the rules, how it happens. Exactly. And so, so yeah. So that's sort of how it works, and I've got um, a few. I've got five levels of the campaign planned. This is the Coils campaign to sort of take on Mister Big at the mm-hmm. end, um, and one of them is going to be like a carnival level with clowns and stuff like that. So you'll be beating up clowns and and, Love it. and fire breathers and ringmasters and with whips and stuff. That sounds so cool. Um, I do want to point out. You, you're talking about one of my favorite things in skirmish style games, which is interactive terrain. Um, so many times when we look at games on the tabletop, the scenery is often just table dressing. 
And while it can help you to be, you know, to help the gaming experience to be more immersive, you can't necessarily interact with it lots. But with this game, just like the video games that you're homaging, there's garbage cans, there's mailboxes, uh, there's all sorts of things that you can interact with barrels that would be an integral part of the game if you're playing it in a video game and are just as important on the tabletop. That's a really clever port over. How important are those terrain features to a game of beat em up? They actually are pretty important because for most of the characters, it's the only access to any ranged attacks that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You pick up a pick up a barrel and throw it at someone. They, I think they, I think from memory, they sort of miss an activation mm-hmm. um, and take a you know bean to the head basically, um, which actually is quite important because it one of the key like the thugs are reasonably weak in level one, but they can really, if, if you let three get on you at the same time, you're in a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. all their, they, they all get bonus attacks for the amount of people in base-to-base contact with you at the same time. Uh, so, so by allowing like the thugs to gang up on you, you're going to get beaten to a pulp pretty quickly. So yeah. if, you, if you barrel someone before they can move, then they don't have enough activations in order to be able to move into base-to-base contact with you fully. And so you're reducing the amount of people that can get into base-to-base contact at one time, which should be a key strategy for winning beat-em-up, is don't allow too many thugs to get um, in base-to-base contact with a single character at the same time. Likewise, you mentioned power-ups. Now, we know power-ups, of course, from video games growing up. Um, what were some of the power-ups that, I mean, you mentioned possible, fi- you know, finding weapons um, or possibly cash that you can spend for weapons later. What are some of yeah. the other power-ups in the game? Uh, so, yeah, so you got um, a small medical kit, large medical kit mm-hmm. to, to heal. And then you've got, there is an extra life. So an extra life allows you to basically resurrect back on the, on the zone. Love it. Um, and then there's a strength bonus. Mm-hmm. So you can get sort of like super strength for a zone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two levels of cash, little cash and big cash, um, both with obviously different values. I think there's a bat, a samurai sword, a knife, and a handgun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be all... I think that might be all, but I'm not. Oh, and heroic tokens, of course. You can always get heroic tokens, which is sort of like your energy a bit in bot, or it works slightly differently, but you use your heroic tokens to unlock your your sort of super moves. Like, Uh, so your spinning pile driver and that, you'll need heroic token to be able to activate a spinning pile driver. But the heroes can share the tokens amongst themselves in the game. mm Mm-hmm. So if someone's got two heroic tokens and another person's got none and that other person's engaged with it in, in a fight, well, you can, your hero can go, hey, look, you can t- I can give you my heroic token so you can use that to do your spinning pile driver and smash that guy. Tell us about the characters because you have an, a wide assortment of characters available in this game, both for players to play and for villains for them to face. 
Yeah, so the the whole game that well, the levels that are on the Kickstarter at the moment. Um, well, I'm focusing the first five levels of it on like a coils campaign. So coils have come back to Motor City. Mm-hmm. They're trying to set up their sort of dodgy black market operations back mm-hmm. in Motor City. And it's headed up by a Coils board member um, that I'm just sort of nicknaming Mr. Big. So all of the characters, all the bad guys are connected to Coils in some way. Like the thugs have like Coils tattoos and or mm-hmm. Coils on the back of their jacket or, um, and just and things like that. So Coils are really the bad guys in all this. Like, yeah, and you go from level one, like low level thugs, level two will be like um, Coils Labs with um, some crazy robots and some Coils security guards mm-hmm. and and a few um, Coils character, like uh, more eccentric characters like Rasps, like is a Coils Ninja. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you'll go up to like um, the Coils Carnival. Where it- so the idea is that you're journeying through the city um, and go and you your heroes are members of the DVIA, which is um, the Democracy Valiant Investigation Alliance. Or, or, I'm sorry, I can't remember it because I wrote it a little while ago. In the That's it's actually right. from it's actually from Bot War in the campaign book. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a an alliance between um, the democracy and the valiants to sort of find and root out all these little internal threats in the democracy. So it could be, um, they could uh, be investigating coils, but they might also be investigating, um, you know, electrotrons drones or black wheels, mercenaries, mm-hmm. anything that's taking part in democracy territory. That's not like a major battle or mm-hmm. like these little cells of like criminal activity popping up that's related to the bot war then um, the DVIA takes care of it. So the DVIA have gone in um, to, you know, started their investigations. And as they're investigating, it's leading them to different parts in the city, which are coils sort of hives of activity. So that's why you're getting these different scenery. So obviously you're, you're finding your way to the nightclub part in the, in the first one, you sort of uh, battle through the, you regular sort of gang like thugs and goons and stuff. And then you get to find that um, these two bosses token and crusher are sort of like you're reasonably high on the, on the coils hierarchy, but they, they're pretty low level level bosses. And once you defeat them, then they, they'll give you a clue. Hey, they've got some stuff here from this laboratory in this other part of the city and you journey over to the laboratory and you find it, hang on a minute. These, all these security guards have got coils, lapels mm-hmm. on their thing. It's like, what's going on here? And then you fight your way through, um, the coils labs and then that'll send you somewhere else. Awesome. So, so that's, that's the idea behind, um, all these different sort of levels. And it's much like, like, those type of things like like with final fight and streets of rage and and things like that is that you you fought in different places based on who you defeated and and your next stage of of where it was it just wasn't the same scenery 
the whole time fighting through. You'd go to different places and 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 fight through these different um, type of areas, you know. Absolutely. And uh, I can just imagine the music changing to suit each time. I might have to yeah. get a Spotify playlist going for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the idea anyway. The, the idea is that you can essentially, I mean, you can play through the coils. Um, what, I, what I'm sort of nicknaming the cause campaign, which is like your five levels of, of cause and fight your way up to Mr. Big. And mm-hmm. obviously you're, the reason you do that is because you're experiencing up your heroes between each level and getting getting some fun out of that, like trying out a pot, like having little Sydney Pulse and the, the female fighter try out a spinning pole driver, mm-hmm. on, you know, and, and stuff like that. So that's sort of fun. But you could essentially, um, I have plans to just substitute in any of the 30 millimeter range models to a campaign that you can make yourself. Like you can, like I'm going to make lots and lots of 30 millimeter range models all in the same scale. So it could be in the future that you're, I don't know, that you've got a, um, an archeologist type model fighting his way through, uh, world war two German castle, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not, I'm just saying that you could potentially substitute in any type of models and use the beat 'em up rules in that, and vice versa. The beat 'em up models can be used. Um, I'm actually going to bring out a conversion kit for the beat 'em up models. That if you want to take some and uh, cut off their hands and give them an auto pistol, or you know something, like that, and you can put them into the Rise of Democracy as a low level squad. Awesome. So my whole idea of this, of the 30 millimeter range and a little bit to do with bot war as well, but not both are separate is that for all my games, I want absolutely maximum (laughs) versatility and adaptability for people. Like they, people will get out of the games, whatever they want to get out of them. And I want to be able to facilitate that with my range. It's like, if you buy some models from Traders Galaxy, I want you to be able to use them multiple ways. Yeah. I love that. As someone who always used to build armies to be able to use multiple armies rules one way or another, this is sounding amazing to me because I'm such a slow painter and I'm not alone. Many of us are, but to be able to use the same models for different things, different games, different missions, different uh, forces. It's awesome, you know? Yeah, well, you can take, like, if you, let's say you're thinking of putting together a Rise of Democracy force, but you're a slow painter and maybe you've painted up five models. Well, you can still use them, just place them into a beat-em-up type scenario, give them a ranged attack. Like, you can still play beat-em-up with ranged attack like they can have a machine gun if they want. Like they're not going to kill all the thugs with a single ranged attack. Like exactly. So you can you can do you can put it or you could um, use the rise of democracy rules just as a skirmish set of rules. Don't use squads. Just True. use heroes, and it and it becomes a little bit more like bot war if you do if you did that. But you're still using your characters that you painted up. So. It is, I, I want 
that whole range of rule sets and you can pick and use your favorite characters in each um, each rule set if you want or you can actually flip it around and and do whole armies for different um, for different stuff as well nice well Anthony our, our time is unfortunately coming to a close a little bit but let's talk about the beat em up Kickstarter now we have a week left in it and you are at 250 percent funded clearly it is going to happen I know there's always the question oh is it gonna fund do I join in if it doesn't fund you know well that's all sorted it's a hundred percent happening and um, you have stretch goals Tons of them have been knocked down. You've had to add extra ones, whole other sets. The campaign has been going on like gangbusters. And if folks are concerned, like, oh, I don't, I don't know, you know, is he dependable? I mean, just consider Bot War and Traders Galaxy has been going for a very long time. And every time a new faction comes out for Bot War, Anthony does a sort of like a an in-house Kickstarter. There's pre presets that you can buy before he ships them out. Uh, the man is an indie game developer. You know, does need to pay for these things when he's shipping them out. And you know, every single time those models go out on time to the people who buy them. So this again, we're we're taking all the boxes. I have backed this because I know it's dependable and because I think the game looks rad. Eighties pun <laughs> intended. This is actually quite a small one for me compared to the Red Star pre-order we did um, back in May. This yeah, is actually, the the Kickstarter is actually a small one compared to that. That was that was pretty full on. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about that because the Red Star is you know your nod at like communist forces in your universe, and so we have Hind helicopters armored cars, you know, things you would associate with, you know, um, the, the, the bad Ruskies and eighties movies, but with that <laughs> you have dinosaurs and androids and all sorts of goodies thrown in. Um, and that range looks amazing. And yeah. you have, everybody you, loves cybernetic dinosaurs, right? Everybody likes, everybody likes a T-Rex with a giant buzzsaw on its arm. <laughs> And cannons exactly. on its back. Um, but, yeah, no, the Red Star is something that I've – it's been on the burner for, like, a long time, but it's sort of come last because we are releasing we, – we, you're right, I think you said at the start, we've been releasing just so many models. Mm -hmm. And it's because I had this plan um, back from 2020, I think, actually, that I just wanted to get – the 10 core factions all out with a starter box in resin. Um, and then I'd be happy, but I inserted in between along the way, another eight factions in various types. Cause I just had, there was just too many ideas. And so, so, um, but the red star was the final one and it, and it was last because it was, had some, it had a, it's I think it's the sixth Titan model for Bot War, so it's That's got right. the huge Bronteborg Land Fortress. So, um, so yeah, that's sort of why it came last. 
But um, but yeah, it's actually by like one of the most exciting factions, and everybody loves cybernetic dinosaurs. We got raptors with missiles on their backs. We've got a giant um, a, a stegosaurus, which we call a stegoborg, with a huge uh, heavy duty laser cannon. Um, we've got a uh, triceborg with uh, a complete missile rack. Um, yeah, it's it's a pachyborg with twin Gatling guns. Yes, it's yeah, and oh, and the terrorborgs, the flying. There's one um, Colonel Yuri on Akalina, which is like a giant terrorborg with uh, a guy with a cyborg riding it. Um, bit like a scooter it's awesome <laughs> yeah so so yeah it's been a it's been a fantastic it was actually i think my th- third best pre-order ever um and that's after the turbo game itself and mm-hmm. trashes i think i was gonna say i was looking back at my old pictures like from a few years ago um on the website and sometimes you forget how far you've come in such a space of time. It's like quite amazing, really, what we've like what we've brought out. Like we've brought out. I've got a huge double cabinet. It's absolutely chocker full of the ranges that we do now. And they're beautiful paint jobs too. Well, folks, if you have not checked out Traders Galaxy, do it. Check out the bot war models. Check out the rise of democracy models. They are fantastic. But also, please do go to Kickstarter and check out Beat 'em Up. Beat B E A T M E M Up. U P. Uh, just like you would imagine, a good '80s game would be written. I should quickly just quickly mention as well. It's not a one-off game. Like I'm going to support all Traders Galaxy games. Well, for as long as I'm alive. Well, again, please check out the Traders uh, Galaxy website. Um, Anthony, anything else you want to plug? Anything coming up that, or should we be uh, focusing on a Kickstarter? Well, yeah, there's some pretty fantastic things coming up next year, but I'm going to hold off to announce that. Okay. It's like Sounds pretty good. big news. Now, you have your own podcast for the Bot War universe. Um, where can people find this? Yeah, they can just find it on my YouTube channel, just under Traders Galaxy, mm-hmm. and we've just we've just recorded should be up tonight actually episode five, which is all about Atlanticans. It's just the mm-hmm. four of us really going in. It's quite a gamey podcast, so we're talking about how the Atlanticans will perform, how we think that we've written a few lists that we think would work um, for Atlanticans, and there's a bit of a tournament talk as well. Um, Forex, so uh, we really want to get bot war tournaments going. Yeah. Speaking of which, spoilers. Uh, I am hoping to run a bot war event in Melbourne uh, sometime before the end of the year. Uh, depends on timing and depends on when I can get this actual kitchen finished in my house. But <laughs> hopefully soon, uh, because it is a hell of a fun game, and uh, I want to I want to give people an opportunity to play it, uh, especially since. I think Melbourne does have a strong bot war community. It's just um, giving people an excuse to get together to play the game, I think is what we need to do. Looking forward to it. Awesome. 
Well, Anthony, as always, thank you for coming on. Please don't be a stranger. I look forward to playing this and your other games and uh, having you back on in the future, my friend. Oh, thanks very much, Brad. I appreciate it. Anytime, brother. And thank you, folks at home for listening. Uh, as always, it is, um, you know, I'm I'm humbled by how many of you are listening to the show. And given the number of games I discuss, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to see how many people are uh, willing to come along on this journey with me. If you have any requests for future episodes, please do go to the Cast Dice Facebook page, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E. I'm always looking forward to uh, hearing from you guys um, with suggestions for future shows or to tell me I've said something wrong, which does happen. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening. Until next time, I think it comes down to what our buddy Casey always says. When you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope that your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. And the terrorist